Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are longtime Raiders quarterbacks, now a free agent, the Colts and the Cardinals tab their new head coaches, Selection Sunday is right around the corner, who's in and who's out. The college basketball season's winding down, previewing this week's biggest hoops games. With that, I give you the assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a Thursday night in the basement, uh, Matt's basement. Uh, the chief the chief is out again this week, so it's just going to be Matt and I doing it again, the dynamic duo here. So, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get the chief back in here pretty soon, but uh, just a lot lot going on in, in our own personal lives. Yeah, um, yeah. As, we, as we said, we do this for, for fun. This is not our full-time job, so... Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta make some money somehow. So, that's uh, right. but yeah, like Matt said, we're gonna, we're gonna get started, um, with a little bit of NFL news, you know, even though the season's over, still a lot to talk about, yeah. still a lot of, you know, stuff going on in yeah. the NFL world. Next so, season's just beginning. Right. So, uh, this is sometimes where, you know, Super Bowls are made here, you know, in the off season. So big move out of, out of the Raiders camp and out of Derek Carr's camp, uh, no longer, no longer with the Raiders, uh, Matt, uh, you know, cut, cut from the Raiders, I think for you know, reasons the Raiders did, but, you know, I think also maybe good, you know, just for, mm-hmm. for Derek Carr's career as well. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, or, you know, what's your thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah. I mean, he, he's getting the ax here after nine season with the Raiders. He had a career record uh, as a starter of 63 and 79, you know, that's nothing to, nothing to write home about. Not great, not terrible. Just mm-hmm. kind of, kind of average there. He completed 64.6% of his passes, 35,000 yards, 217 touchdowns. Still, he had almost a hundred interceptions, so it's almost two to one on touchdowns and interceptions. Right. So it's, yeah, not I, I, another decent, average. Yeah, yeah. decent. So, you know, I mean, the guy had a pretty good career, but I, I think kind of his undoing this year was, you know, the, the team went out, they got him the wide receiver he wanted, they brought in Devonte Adams, they brought in a, a new offensive head coach, and they're thinking, you know, this thing. They they had playoff and Super Bowl aspirations coming to this thing. They end up six and nine. Right. Yeah. You know, I I think it was just time the Raiders knew they had to make a change. They had to make something happen. Yeah. I, I mean I think Carr is going to be. I think he'll be fairly highly coveted for mm-hmm. all the the you know teams drafting mm-hmm. high up in the draft. They right. may still be looking for a quarterback. He's mm-hmm. got some talent. Yep. If they, if you compare him with a good receiver, I I think what he really needs is a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. If, if he has time, he yeah. can pick a team apart. Yeah. So you know, I, I think if he can get on with a team that has a good offensive line, he can kind of turn his turn his career here around. Yeah. towards the end of it here. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, how we kind of you know kind of got here. I mean, it, it was kind of the writing handwriting was on the wall. I mean, a uh, couple of games left in the in the season, they you know decided to to bench him and just you know, for you know to keep him healthy because they knew long term or you know for the next you know several seasons they they just didn't see Derek Carr being a part of the plan you know going forward. Um, so, you know, to, to protect him, to give him the opportunity to, you know, stay healthy uh, and then have the opportunity to, to go to a new team. I mean, they decided to decide to bench him, let, you know, let somebody else else play and see what they got. Um, interesting thing for the Raiders is, you know, after, you know, now Carr no longer with the team, they only have one guy on the team that's actually signed at the quarterback position. So they're they're wide open. I mean, yeah. wide open, not even, you know, um, you know, a guy that even has significant snaps for him is the guy that's, you know, signed, um, you know, on the team currently. So it's definitely, a, you know, a need or, you know, a fill in a need that the Raiders, you know, are going to have uh, by by releasing Derek Carr. Um, yeah, if I'm the Raiders, I think I'm making a phone call to the Chicago Bears, maybe mm-hmm. offer up Devontae Adams, a first round pick with that mm-hmm. and, and see if you can swing a pick for that number mm-hmm. one draft pick. Right. And try to try to get that new franchise quarterback that right. way. Right. Um, and, and I guess, uh, you know, the, the Derek Carr, you know, decided he wasn't going to decline, you know, his, his, uh, you know, wasn't going to waive his no trade clause. Um, you know, he wanted to stay with the team I and mean, this guy has been maybe loyal to a fault with the Raiders, yeah. um, you know, because uh, I, he made some comments back in, I don't know, 2001 or 2020 or uh, not 2001, 2021, <laughs> 2020, that basically said like, I would rather retire or basically I would rather retire than I'd, rather play for any other team than the Raiders. And, and I mean, if you're, you know, a GM or you're an owner of the team, I mean, that's, that's the kind of guys that you right. want. I mean, the Raiders have obviously had some up and downs have not been, you know, the Raiders that 
you know, your dads or, you know, grandpas grew up, you know, <laughs> watching, you know, late there in the in the early 80s or 90s or whatever. I mean, this is a team that's had its ups and downs, uh, you know, hasn't really been good since, you know, uh, Chucky, you know, Chucky Gruden was right. walking the sidelines. Um, but yeah, at the, the end of the time. day, you know, it's been, uh, you know, <clears throat> at, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's been a franchise that, you know, if you if you're trying to build a team around, you want guys that want to be there that they you know see themselves being in that you know silver and black. Um, so, you know, tough tough situation. But I mean, at the same time, I see where the Raiders are coming from, and they by releasing him when they did, they are relinquished of almost forty million dollars in guaranteed money. Yeah, um, you know, so they they free up for almost forty million. They take a little bit of a of a of a salary cap hit around five five and a half million, but then they, as a result, freed up almost thirty million in cap space to be you know used for free agency. And right. obviously, this team is somewhat. I don't know if they're in total rebuild mode because I think they have some pieces there. Josh Jacobs at running back, you know, Devontae Adams at wide receiver. So I think offensively, they they have some weapons at just finding you know their next signal caller. Right. Um, it's the defense, I think, where they really have to find, you know, some 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 better players to to, to build that up. Um, but no better way to do that. You know, I was looking. The Raiders have eleven picks in the upcoming draft, and in, and that includes first round pick, the number seven overall pick. I think if they're if they're thinking QB in the draft, I think you know the top three guys, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and even Will Will Levis, you can throw in there may be gone by right. by the time they get to number seven. So well, you know one's not taking them. So right. I guess if two two, three and four, I'm not sure what their needs are. Right. Um, you know, Houston's picking at number two. So yes, I, I'm almost certain they're taking sure. a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, and and almost always, you know, those top ten guys, that's yeah. usually what they're looking for most of the time. But right. we'll see. You know, it, it could be interesting. It not saying that they will be gone by the number seven pick, yeah. but could could potentially, you know, go off the board early. So if they, you know, feel like that's the case they may want to look at you know either trading up or they could be going the veteran route uh, because they've also been linked to veterans like Aaron Rodgers and and Jimmy Garoppolo you know bringing in a veteran already Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be a terrible thing here right pairing them back with Devontae well, Adams. absolutely I mean you those know, two had a career year with each other right absolutely um you know they, they had some some great chemistry you know with their time in Green Bay so we'll see uh you know I, I saw something um where you know the Raiders somewhat also had to just you know cut the ties because according to you know some sources there was only one team that was even interested in making a trade for for Derek Carr um so and, and that team wanted Derek Carr to take a pay cut in order to come so yeah. obviously Derek Carr wasn't happy with that you know the, the Raiders weren't happy because they were somewhat you know landlocked you know only one team you don't have a lot of bargaining or, you know, a lot of, not an opportunity to, to, you know, make some bargains or, you know, make a, make a deal. Um, I just, you know, for, for Carr, this is guy, you know, we talk about all the, the record and, you know, the stats and everything like that. You know, I was just reading a couple of things. I mean, he had six different head coaches in nine seasons yeah, with the Raiders. Um, and on top of that had five different offensive coordinators as well. Um, you know, I, I just think, a lot of turnover, you know, in the, in some of those important positions that, you know, you use to develop a quarterback and it's any rhythm at all. Right. It's amazing that he was still able to do what he was able to do with that much, you know, inconsistency at, at some of those important positions on the offensive side of the ball. I think the big knock for him, I mean, yeah, he's been an okay quarterback average, maybe slightly over average, a couple of stats that kind of stick out that are, you know, kind of eyesores, if you will. Overall record against teams that made the playoffs, 12 and 44. Hmm. So, you know, in those big games against, you know, those elite, you know, better teams, not great record. And obviously you can't put it all on him that, you know, that's that's the record and, you know, whatever. Obviously he's one guy at one position, but at the end of the day, it always falls on the quarterback usually right. is how it goes. Um, and then again, not playing very well in, in cold weather. Um any game where the temperature, outside temperature, below 32 degrees, one in seven record, 35.5 QBR, and eight touchdowns to nine interceptions. So doesn't like playing in the cold. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, this guy's from Fresno right. State, played, you know, in California for college. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's – welcome playoff Right. Time, I'm not really. sure if he's from California or, or not. But, you know, it, yeah, obviously he's just been very used to playing, you know, 
warm weather, you know, situations. So yeah, it has not boded well for him, you know, playing in that, in that cold, that cold weather. And yeah, definitely come playoff time or, you know, later in the season when, you know, obviously the Raiders have a, have a dome in, in, in Las Vegas. And even when they were in Oakland, you know, they still had decent weather even right. towards the end of the end of the season. Um, so yeah, just unfortunate for him, but you know, like Matt said, he's, he's already started to kind of shop his talents around. He, he made a visit to the New Orleans Saints, um, and then also made it to hopefully my team he picks, the New York Jets <laughs> as well, um, you know, made made his way there. But from what I'm hearing, this this is going to be a long process, according to, you know, uh, people that are close to Derek Carr, that he's, you know, not ready to just jump the gun. He's going to, you know, visit, you know, probably a couple other teams, hear some other offers, you know, whatever, and, and kind of get the full the full package before he, you know, makes any kind of, you know, rational decision or, you know, whatever. We'll see, see how it plays out. You know, I, I think he would be a great fit in, in New York. I mean, there's, there's several weapons that, you know, we've got there, some young talent there to surround him with, um, offensive line. He's not going to out throw Garrett Wilson. He right. Yeah. That thing down right. The field. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, you know, offensive line could be better, not horrible, but, you know, Definitely, you know, a, a spot where the, the Jets, if you're looking at something on the offensive side of the ball that they could could improve on. Um, the defense last year was top five, top ten in the league. So, you know, you can rely hopefully on a defense. And, and all those, again, are more young talent that's going right. to be there for the next several years. So you got a defense you can rely on, which is, you know, something he didn't have in, in Las Vegas. So we'll see. See how it plays out. You know, I, I think he would fit in great with with New York. But uh, you know, like I said, it's it's going to be a long process. He's sounds like he's in no hurry to make any kind of rush decision. Um, we'll see. You know, like I said, how how it plays out, plays it out, plays out for him. See what team he decides to, you know, sign with or be with. You know, next year again. I, I don't expect this guy. Somebody's going to pick him up. Right. Somebody's going to take him. I, I think he still has a lot to a lot to give. You know a couple, at least two or three more good seasons mm -hmm. left in them. And then, you know, we'll see after that. But, you know, I, I think this is a guy that can really make a team better at that quarterback position if you, you know, surround him with the right the right kind of guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, another place you could talk about him potentially going is, I guess, kind of where we'll go next. Mm -hmm. with, with the Colts, they just hired their new offensive uh, head coach there, Shane Steichen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, Carr wouldn't be a bad fit there either. Mm -hmm. I know they've been kind of playing that quarterback carousel right. three the the quarter years, yeah. but, yeah. you know, I, why not try one more time? What the heck? Right, yeah, what's the worst that happens? But, so. uh, yeah, so the, the Colts, they brought in uh, Shane Steichen. He was the offensive coordinator there for the Philadelphia Eagles the mm -hmm. last two seasons. Uh, he's been an NFL assistant for the last 12 years, mm -hmm. but no previous head coaching experience. It's yeah. kind, kind of odd to see, you know, mm -hmm. he, in a league, you're used to kind of seeing the rehashes over and over and over again. Right, and, right. and a lot of these guys with no experience always seem to be one or two and done. And mm -hmm. they, they haven't been working out very good lately. Right, right. So I guess we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, in 2021, Sykin uh, led Philadelphia to having the most productive rushing offense in the league. Mm -hmm. In 2022, he led the Eagles uh, to, the, to the Super Bowl berth there with yeah. his offense being third in total yards per game, mm -hmm. uh, third in points per game, fifth in rushing yards per game, yep. nine in passing yards per game. And they were second in the league with plays of 10-plus yards. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, this guy can call some offense. He knows right. what he's doing there. I, I think it'll be a decent fit there in, in uh, Indy because, you know, he pairs him up with one of the best running backs in the league there with Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what the Colts needed to do more of last year. They got a they had a, they had a good season a couple of years ago when he was the, the centerpiece of that offense. Right. He got yeah. to move the ball for him. And, yeah. you know, that, that works well. So, mm -hmm. I, I think if they can get back to that ground game. Yep bring in a decent quarterback, some of that intermediate and make some plays downfield mm -hmm. that they could have something here. This may not be a terrible hire. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it helps, you know, in his case that he's been an assistant coach for so, so mm -hmm. long, you know, any, any more, you know, this new trend of like, you know, assistant coach to head coach with no prior head coach right. experience. It's usually like they've been an assistant coach for one year. Yeah. They yeah. may have been in other positions with the team in, in various minor roles, mm -hmm. But it's like they've been the the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator for like one, maybe two seasons, and then all of a sudden now they're the head coach with him, you know, with being twelve seasons or you know twelve different you know seasons as a assistant coach in you know various capacities yeah. with different teams. I think that gives him the opportunity to see what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, and Absolutely. and and bring that to the table when he's coming to the Colts here. And I mean, it's no secret here. The Colts were putrid on the offensive side yes, of the ball. They, uh, they averaged 17 points a game 
which was good for 30th in the NFL, so almost dead last in points per game. When it comes to the quarterback position, 36.8 QBR last year, which ranked 27th in the NFL. And then they averaged about five yards a play. Each play, you know, only getting about, you know, five yards a play, where, you know, some of the top teams are averaging almost a first down on, on you know, plays. Uh, you know, that was good for 30th in the NFL. So it's no secret the offense is where they needed to improve or where they feel they need the most help. They bring in a guy who's got that offensive mind that's done, you know, great things with the Eagles over the past couple of seasons. Um, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, if they go the veteran route again. But they are sitting with the number four pick in the in the draft. Right. So they're up there towards the top. You know, we talked about, you know, a couple of the names of, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, right. you know, Will Levis up there at the top. Do they start to go, you know, a rookie, you know, quarterback and, and try to find their next gem? We saw what he did with Jalen Hurts. Right. So, I mean. He... And it's and it's awfully, awfully ironic because the Colts have only used, like, since they've been around, they are a, you know, a newer franchise that hasn't been around a long time. But since they've been around, they've only used two picks in the first round on quarterbacks, one Andrew on Peyton Luck. Manning and one on Andrew Luck. Yeah. So when they do use their first round pick, they've, they've hit pretty well. Yeah. So we'll see if they, you know, continue that trend and, you know, are able to develop, you know, their next guy or if they go this veteran route with, you know, there's some other names obviously out there, Aaron Rodgers, mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Derek Carr that we just talked about. Um, but they obviously saw something in, in Steichen here I mean, he beat out from what I was reading, thirteen other candidates for this wow. position. So Including they were Harbaugh, right? Yeah, they they saw you know saw something in him that they liked you know better than than some of the other guys that they you know interviewed, um, and and just kind of a, a short list of some of those guys that they talked to. Um, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, uh, Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator uh, Ajiro Evro, uh, Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. And Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn are just a, a short list of some of those guys that and they talked to. A couple of those guys had previous head coaching experience. Right, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and have, have been with, you know, some, some good franchises or been under, you know, if they haven't been head coaches, they've been under some head coaches that have, you know, done some pretty pretty spectacular right. things here recently. So, but, uh, you know, I think that the knock on some of those defensive guys is, they, they feel their defense is, you know, where it needs to be. They got to get the offense corrected, and then the defense will, I think, be even better because they don't have to be on the field right. all the time or, you know, make a quicker turnaround. Um, so, yeah, we'll see we'll see how it plays out, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about another Eagles coordinator yeah. taking a head coaching <laughs> job, which is, you know, very rare in the NFL that you see both. two, you know, both coordinators leave at the same time and, and – not only is it rare for them to leave to go to other teams, but they're taking head coaching positions, right. which is even, you know, even rarer, but that's just a, a testament to how good and how great this Eagles team really was this year. We'll see if these guys pan out as them, you know, running their own teams, uh, see how they, how they pan out. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said, the Arizona Cardinals found their new head coach as well. Former Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon taking over the helm uh, for for the for the guys out there in Arizona, which ironically they got to see firsthand because that's where the Super Bowl was. <laughs> so they got to witness this guy, you know, in person, see him, you know, in person. No better way, no better way to do that in the in today's world of you know virtual interviews and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, they got to see, yeah, this guy firsthand, and uh, you know, seeing him firsthand kind of makes this an odd hiring right. because Gannon was actually heavily criticized mm -hmm. for that Super Bowl loss. Right. They gave up that ten point halftime lead. Mm -hmm. They gave up thirty one points in the second half yeah. to to end up losing that game. Right. I'm not sure that's the first hand right. view I, I would have wanted to see before making that hire. It's mm -hmm. kind of, it's kind of a little bit of a head scratching move in my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think just as much as the Colts needed need to correct their offense, I think it's the Cardinals that need to correct their defense. I think their offense, you know, is 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 fine. I mean, they got a franchise, or you know, seems to be their franchise QB in, in uh, you know Kyler Murray. When healthy, yeah, when healthy, and then obviously they have you know star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, and you know handful of you know decent backs there as well so i think the offense is is okay or you know but i think the focus is really going to be on the defense and obviously that's the the reason why they go after you yeah. know a defensive minded guy here um tab him to a uh five-year contract as well so you know pretty pretty lengthy deal we'll, you know again we'll see how 
how it pans out. But, you know, this guy only been, you know, the coordinator for the Eagles and, you know, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles for a couple of seasons. But in his first year, defense was a top 10 defense. Second year, they were the number two ranked defense. So, you know, improvement, you know, no matter what, you know, in, in those short couple of seasons. And I think even more this year, I mean, the Eagles alone had 78 sacks, you know, and, and you know, third, that was third most in the NFL and NFL history, including the playoffs. So they did, a, you know, and then they had, you know, a handful of sacks even in the playoffs. I mean, that was kind of the problem that they had in the Super Bowl. They got zero sacks in the right. Super Bowl. So that was, you know, probably a little bit of the of the issue. Um, and so I don't know if, yeah, that's obviously more hats off to, to the Chiefs for, you know, coming up with a great game plan there. Um, but we'll see what he can do with the with the Cardinals team that's that's coming off of you know a four and thirteen season right. um, again and playing in somewhat of a tough division with you know the Seahawks the 49ers the Rams I mean all those teams have been you know towards the time I and mean, the 49ers were you know a quarterback away from probably going to the Super Bowl themselves right. um, and <clears throat> uh, Seahawks had a great the Seahawks season. had a great season you know turned it around even you know even with letting Russell Wilson go. Um, the Rams obviously had a down year, but, you know, are just a year, a couple of years removed from winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's been competitive in that NFC West. So definitely the, the Cardinals got to, you know, got to correct it. But it, it, it kind of starts in, in free agency. They have 31 players that are set to become unrestricted free Man. agents this offseason. So, so you can either bring in a lot yeah, of new talent, bring in or, you talent can... or, you know, re-sign a lot yeah. of the guys. I mean, it, yeah, it depends on what you, what you think or who fits into what scheme or, you know, how you, how you think, but uh, yeah, a lot of players, you know, that could be gone. It could be a whole, pretty much a whole new team next year. I guess year. nice for a new coach though, to have that freedom to, right, to right. kind of do what he wants to do here right. and build something. Absolutely. And I don't know what their, you know, cap space, you know, flexibility, you know, any of that, obviously with a four and 13 record, you're picking towards the top in right. the draft. Um, but uh, we'll see, you know, what they decide to do. I, I, again, I think it's, it's going to be something on the, on the defense. I think that's where they, where they attack this off season and, and really go after, um, obviously former, you know, former head coach Cliff Kingsbury was the, you know, supposed to be the offensive genius or, you know, right. whatever. And first couple of seasons, that's how it seemed to be, but then it just, you know, slowly was progressing and, and just yeah, getting, getting kind of worse. Um, but We'll see, you know, by switching to a uh, you know defensive-minded guy, what what you know how that affects the offense. But um, this guy, you know, like I said, has done done good good things for the Eagles in his short you know couple of seasons there with with the Eagles. But uh, we'll see how how the Eagles, you know, correct things. I mean, like I said, it's very rare to lose you know both your coordinators in the same same season. So we'll you know see how that affects the Eagles. In my opinion, it it has to it's in some hurt. in some way. I mean, just losing that that knowledge, that, you know, consistency, it's going to be going to be more on the veteran players, I mm. think, to try to, you know, keep it, keep the ship righted, if you will. And obviously the Eagles have, you know, talent at, at a lot of positions there on both defense and offense. So we'll see, see if they can, you know, keep it, keep it going. But yeah, it has to, has to take a toll at, at you know, at some point. Um, but yeah. anyways, yeah. So we'll see yeah. how the, yeah, I actually got one more to talk about. It's, it's, it, we didn't put it on our notes, but it was shocking to me okay. because we're talking about Super Bowl coaches on the move. Mm-hmm. About Eric Bieniemy leaving mm-hmm. the the Chiefs to go yeah. to the Washington Commanders. Yeah. It, it's it's a lateral move, offensive yeah. coordinator to offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I I don't understand. I guess. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's one of those things. He's been in the running for head coach, yeah. and I think the knock on him, or, or, or and and it may be unfair. Is that they're saying had Andy Reid the whole time, right? Or or the fact that it's you have Patrick Mahomes, you had this crazy mm-hmm. offense. Like, how tough is your job? Type right. deal. Like, is it really you, or is it just yeah. the players that you have? So I think for me, that's how I view it. Is that he's going to a team that at the Q, he ain't got Patrick Mahomes on. Right. You know, they don't even know who their Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is going to be in Washington. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still searching for a QB there. Um, so I think that I think. I think, you know, in his mind, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, I'm trying to prove to the NFL that I really am an offensive yeah. guru or, you know, I'm, I'm this guy that everybody, right. you know, I, thinks I, I that am head coaching uh, because if I can turn around the commanders or, you know, really make a difference with this commanders, I, I think I I'm, I'm betting on myself right. and then see what I can do in a, in one season, two seasons. And, and if he can turn around and he is the key reason why, I, I think more yeah. teams then start to be 
really sold on him being being a head coach somewhere. I think sense. I think is yeah. is how I view it. You know, we'll see. I mean, obviously, yeah. nobody knows other than he does. But yeah. from an outsider's perspective, I feel like that that's a big reason why mm-hmm. um, that he made that jump. Because yeah, it doesn't make sense from a football right. standpoint. Absolutely. You know, because obviously the Chiefs are looking to you know probably repeat as Super Bowl champs right. next year and and their offense is like a well-oiled machine yeah. if you will um so yeah it doesn't really make sense from a from a football standpoint but i think for his own personal career i, I think that's what he's what he's trying to prove yeah. is that theory makes a lot of sense yeah uh, that i am the guy um but we'll see how how it plays yeah. out i mean it, it could, could be backfire big yeah <laughs> it could be you know a, a death move for him at the yeah. same time but we'll we'll see i mean the guy I have to think that the guy knows something about, you know, offense. I mean, I don't think, yes, the players are, are fantastic. Mahomes has been great, but at the end of the day, it's, it, the scheme has to be there yeah. too. You have to know, you know, execute the, the scheme and everybody has to fill their role and whatnot. And I feel like he has played a, a big part in that. Right. So we'll see how it pans out. We'll see how he, how he does in, in Washington, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a little bit of a head scratcher, but you know, I, I hope it pays out for him, you know, plays out and plays out well for him. So, yes, sir. all right, well, uh, enough of the NFL talk here. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. Uh, stick with us. We'll, we're going to talk a little bit of college basketball after the break. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Thanks for sticking with us. Like I said, we're going to get into a little bit of college basketball and with everybody's favorite season right around the corner in March Madness and Selection Sunday, we're going to do our own little version of Selection Sunday about, you know, it's two, two, three weeks before they, they, you know, announce who's going to be in that field of 68. Uh, there's, there's quite a few big name teams here that we're going to talk about that are, that are on that, you know, hot bubble here. Uh, we're, we're going to do our own version of in, in or out. Um, so, you know, if, if the season were to, in today, this is how we see it, you know, uh, you know how we think that it, it should play out. So we're going to start with a big name that I don't think anybody saw this team being in this discussion. The North Carolina Tar Heels yeah. sit with an overall record of 17 and 11, a nine and eight record in the ACC. Matt, what's your what's your verdict in or out? You know, I struggle with this one because, yeah, they're 17 and 11. But they got no ranked wins. Usually that 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 magic number to get in the tournament's 19. You're almost guaranteed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think they got some work to do. I, I do think though, even one more win probably gets them in just mm-hmm. on name alone. And the mm-hmm. fact that they had that run last year, mm-hmm. I think they, they have a little, little respect put on their name and right. it, it gives them that shot to get in there mm-hmm. just, just on that alone. Yeah. Should they be, I don't know. I haven't been overly impressed with them this mm-hmm. year. I, I think they probably should be on the outside looking in, but yeah. I, I think having that built up, reputation of you're the North Carolina Tar Heels yep. really helps here. I, yep. I think they get in. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't think anybody saw this coming based on what they did, you know, last year. I mean, runners up last year on a team that nobody saw them making that run in the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. Then what do they do? They return pretty much their entire team from last year, preseason number one, all these high expectations and they come out flat. I mean, they, they, I don't. I I can't tell you what's what's wrong with them. I haven't watched enough North Carolina basketball to say what the real issue is. It's just strange to see based on the talent that they have, you know, coming back. But for me, if I'm picking now, I, I'm I'm tell, I'm saying they're out of the tournament. And here's a big reason why their their best win is against a at the time a number twenty three ranked Ohio State team. <laughs> yeah. You look at this Ohio State team now, though, they got an 11-16 and 16 overall record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've only won two games in the Big Ten. At that time, it looked like a good win because yeah. Ohio State was still a decent team. Yeah. But if that's your best win of the season. That's not good. And, again, it was a neutral neutral site game. 
that, you know, they just don't have enough quality good wins for me to say that they're in. Now, they do have some games come up in their schedule. They, they, Duke still. they play Duke at home, who's got a record of 20 and 8. And they play Virginia at home, who's number six in the country with a yep. 25 and 21 and 5 record. So still they have an opportunity those, to win a yeah, win, win, yeah, and... make some noise here late in the season. Make you know get a couple games there in the ACC tournament, and they could you know force their way way in there. But like I said, if the season were to start now, or you know if we're we're picking March Madness teams now, I say that they're mm-hmm. that they're out. Yeah. All right. Well, moving out, moving out west, um, a Western uh, Pac-12 team that that we're talking about here, uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils, overall record of nineteen and nine, ten and seven in the Pac-12. Matt, what do you what do you think about the the Sun Devils? You like their chances? You know, I I, I kind of said that magic number was nineteen to twenty wins, and then that they are right there. Mm-hmm. But they've only got one ranked win over Creighton. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've still got some work to do, and it's it's going to be tough for them because mm-hmm. their remaining games this year they have number seven Arizona, number yeah. four UCLA. Yeah, I, I think they got to win one, maybe two more to really have a shot to get mm-hmm. in here because yeah. they don't really have that that name right of North mm-hmm. Carolina that, yep. that I, I think could give them an edge if it's, if it's a one or two splitting <laughs> hairs. Right. Right. Then I, I think North Carolina, that, and that's why I had North Carolina taking it. Yep. So, you know, I, I think they've got some work to do and it's going to be a tough road for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, I, I got them in mm-hmm. right now just because, you know, overall records 19 and nine, you know, in, in years past that probably would have been, you know, they still would have been on the, on the bubble, but, you know, this year in college basketball has been crazy. Crazy. I mean, even the top, you know, the top five, top ten teams all have five or six losses, um, and it's it, it just a very strange season. So you cut cut them some some slack that they got, you know, nine losses uh, here, but they got a decent record in the in the Pac-12. Obviously, I think that they have an even better chance to to really solidify their spot. Mm-hmm. Like Matt mentioned, they got a, a game against number eight Arizona and a game against number four UCLA, both those games on the road, which I think even gives you even more brownie points right. if you're able to, you know, maybe not even win those games, but keep them, keep them competitive, keep them close. Um, at the moment, I, I, I like them. I like them in. The only thing that, that kind of puts a blemish on them or, you know, a black eye, if you will, they have a bad loss on a neutral site against a Texas Southern team Ugh. that's 11 and seven. Um, you know, so that one is, is, is a real, you know, a real head scratcher when you're, you know, looking at resumes and looking, you know, comparing apples to apples, if you will, that one is, is going to be tough to overcome, but I like their chances as of, as of now, yep. we'll see what they do over the next, you know, kind of last week or weeks of the, of the regular season. All right. Well, moving back towards kind of the middle part of the, of the country, um, team over in the SEC. The Arkansas Razorbacks again, another team that's nineteen and nine, uh, eight and seven in in the SEC. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you think? You like the Razorbacks' chances here, or uh, yeah. you think they're on the outside looking in? I, I think they're nineteen and nine here. I think they're in, and because they've got two nice ranked wins against San Diego State, Texas A and M. You know, I, I think they've done enough to this point to to say they're they're firmly in there, and, mm-hmm. and one of those later seeds, you know, right? Ten to. 16 right yeah absolutely i think that they can even make some more noise they got they got some good games coming up again a road game against current number one you know alabama and then a road game uh against number 10 tennessee and then back home for their last game of the year against a kentucky team who's surging Mm -hmm. at the moment as well you know Uh, they don't even really have to win those games mm -hmm. as long as they're putting up a strong competitive fight right i think that's enough showing the showing the committee that they're you know they deserve to get in there that they're going to give you you know give you all they got even if yeah they may not be better on paper or you know the better team they're they're gonna gonna give every everything they got there so if i think they're in at the at the at the moment and i think that they have the possibility to you know, move up that, you know, that board and, and really get a, a higher seed if they can make some noise yeah. here with these last couple of games that they got on the slate. Um, you know, for me, yeah, it, it goes back to they got some quality wins. You know, uh, like you said, at the time it was number 17, San Diego State, who has an overall record of 22 and five. Mm-hmm. They've also beaten at that time, number 20, Missouri, who's 20 and eight. Um, so and, and they've got, a you know, a good win against a, a Texas A&M team yeah. as well. Uh, so I just think that they got. A lot of quality, you know, good wins against, you know, ranked opponents. 
um, neutral sites, home, you know, on the road. I, I think they just got a, a good body of work that it, it's going to be tough for them to to leave them out unless they, you know, really have a, a, a I think if they're competitive in these last remaining, you know, regular season games, they'll be okay. They yeah. just can't have a lose kind of in the first round of like the SEC turn. I mm. think that could really put, you know, a hurt on them. They have to, you know, maybe win a game or two also in the yeah. SEC tournament to, to really, to really solidify, solidify their spot. So, all right, well, moving, moving up North, uh, we got a team out of the, out of the big 10. And I mean, the big 10 is just a jumbled up mess. I mean, I think we probably could have picked any team, almost any team from the, from the big 10 and said, are they in or in the, are they out? Right. Uh, but we had to somewhat decide on one team and, we picked the, the Wisconsin Badgers in, in this. Um, currently 16 and 11, 8 and 9 in the Big Ten. Uh, for me, I got to say, I'm out. Mm-hmm. They, 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 to me, have not not been impressive. The, the, the hard thing is, is that they do have a couple of quality wins at the beginning of the season. Right. They beat a USC team on a neutral site who's 19 and 8 at the, you know, currently. They beat on the road, went to Marquette, who's 22 and six, and beat them in their house. Uh, uh, another thing that's going to be kind of tough to tough to overcome. And their their quad, you know, they, they talk about this a lot in this committee are these quad wins, you know, right. quad one, quad two, quad three, you know, quad four wins. They're five and six in, in quad one, you know, games, which not great, but you know, if we're looking at some of these other teams that we've talked about, they're about, you know, they're they're above what some of these other teams that we said are in. Um, and then when it comes to quad two, five and four record. Um, <clears throat> so it and but they still have one big game left on the season. They go they're at home against Purdue. Purdue yeah. Uh so they, you know, and Purdue has been, you know, they've had their moments where they have not been, you know, played up to up to par. So we'll see if they can they can pull off a, an upset. But I think that they have to probably win that game and then do something in the really yeah. go on a long run here in the Big Ten tournament yeah, to really that, give themselves that's a chance. The exact same note I said. Yeah. I said they, they've got to beat Purdue and they've got to win a few a few games in the Big Ten tournament to really mm-hmm. have a shot at getting into this thing. Right, right. I, I think the thing that helps Wisconsin, you know, I was kind of looking at, at their schedule, looking at, you know, their past games. They don't really have a, a bad loss right. per se. Uh, and like I said, they do have a couple of, of good wins. But those good wins came at the beginning of the year where, you know, teams are still trying to figure out who they are, right. what they're going to do, what lineups they're going to use, whatever. It's they crazy don't, those Big Ten wins aren't really helping them. This right. Year. They haven't. They don't really have a quality win against a Big Ten opponent is is, is the bad thing in this. Um, they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, right. but those teams are not, you know, overall record, Big Ten record are just not great. They haven't beat the what you would consider the elite teams of the, right. of the big 10, um, but have that opportunity against, against Purdue. So, all right, well, moving back to somewhat of the, of the East coast, we're, you know, going full circle here. Uh, last team we're going to talk about the Seton hall pirates out of the, out of the, uh, the big 12 um, currently 16 and 12 overall record nine and eight, you know, in the, in the, in not in the big 12 in the big East um, for me, I got to say they're out as, as well. Um, they do have a couple of, of quality wins neutral site against a Memphis team. Who's 20 who is, is currently 20 and seven and a home win against a, at that time, number 15 ranked UConn, who's now 21 and 21 and seven mm-hmm. overall. But the problem is, is they got a couple of bad losses yeah, to go with that. Not much else. Um, they, they've lost a neutral site game to an Oklahoma team. Who's 13 and 15 went on the road. And I, I never thought I would say this, but went on the road and lost to a Villanova team who's fourteen and fourteen at this moment. Um, quad one record, three and seven. Yeah. Um, you know, just and and then you go to quad two, two and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're really only good in those quad three and quad four games, which are teams that they're expected to beat. Those right. are the lower tier teams that you're already expected to beat. Now again, they do have a couple of big games coming up. They play at home against number 16, Xavier, who's 20 and eight. They go back home against the Villanova, avenge a loss against them, you know, earlier in the season, and then wrap up the season on the road against number 24, Providence, who's 20 and eight as well. So a couple of good, you know, games to showcase or, you know, whatever, but I, I feel like they have to win somewhat the both those ranked right. games to, to really, you know, solidify themselves yeah. just because 
the Big East is not what it used to be. This isn't the Big East, you know, that, that we grew up, you know, somewhat watching with the Syracuses, the Pittsburghs, you know, all the George, you know, the great Georgetown teams. The, the Big East is down. So you got to, you know, take advantage of every ranked game that you can possibly get and, and make the most of those opportunities. I, I think Seton Hall has to win, probably win both those games to really yeah. give themselves a chance. Yeah, I agree 100%. <clears throat> so yeah that's our our in and out segment we'll see how you know how close we are uh, like you said we got probably most most teams have about three three four games left on the slate before we start you know tournaments uh, conference tournaments so we'll see see how it all shakes out over the last you know couple couple weeks of the season and see if our predictions here were, were right or if, you know these teams make some noise or if any of these teams get in at all we'll see if any of them make it or you know they all make it so um, all right. Well then keep sticking with college basketball. A couple of these teams that we talked about, we're actually going to talk about in our, uh, you know, games of the games of the week here. So team that we just talked about that we'll kick it off with. That's that Arkansas Razors back Razorback team that, like I said, 19 and nine overall eight and seven in the sec going on the road against number two, Alabama at 24 and four, 14 and one in the sec. Two o'clock game over on ESPN. ESPN two. Um, Matt, what do you, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, you know, looking at the stats on this thing, Alabama outscores Arkansas Arkansas by eight points per game. They shoot better from the free throw line. Shoot better from the three point line. They out rebound Arkansas by nine rebounds per game. I just I I don't see a lot of hope for Arkansas on this thing. I think Alabama wins it and wins it fairly easily. Yeah, the, these two teams, you know matched up against each other back in uh back in January 11th Alabama won that game 84 to 69 in that one so they hit kind of their average points that they that they score for for the year uh you know and and you know held held kind of Arkansas to what they're what they're used to and I kind of see the same thing playing out in this one Arkansas you know playing better as of late uh, but Alabama is a, is a hot team right now they they got a guy by the name of Brandon Miller the forward uh, for Alabama it's averaging almost 20 points a game averaging eight rebounds a game. The only thing I could see, this Alabama team does live and die by the three ball. Mm-hmm. They they shoot almost 37% as a team from the three-point line and then limit their opponents to only 23% yeah. from the three-point line. So they live and die by that thing. Probably what helps them, they're at home. You right. know, you get those home, home you know, home rims and everything like that. I think that they win this game. I think it's going to be a, a big win in this one. Uh, Alabama runs away with it um, and, and, and you know, sends Arkansas packing in this one. But we'll see. It's, like I said, been a strange college basketball yeah. season, so anything is anything is possible. But, all right, well, moving out west, um, another team that we talked about, uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Again, 19-9 in the pack, and overall, 10-7 and seven in the Pac-12. Going on the road against number seven Arizona at twenty four and four, uh, thirteen and four in the Pac twelve. Another two o'clock game over on CBS. Um, yeah, this one's gonna be gonna be a good one. Um, you know they faced off on uh, just before the new year on uh, December thirty first. Arizona took it by a score of sixty nine to sixty, which you know it's quite interesting because you know Arizona's you know averaging as far as points goes you know close to 80 points 80 yeah. points a game so Arizona pace. State did a did a good job at limiting you know limiting the points for for Arizona um the problem is is that Arizona State doesn't score a ton of points they they average about the same amount of points that they give up so they're you know right there it, it can go either you know kind of either way um but for me a crazy stat that sh- that stood that stood out to me Arizona State shoots at 61 shots per game. They get up 61 shots. So this is definitely a kind of, you know, kind of a running gun type, you know, type team, you know, coached by legendary, you know, Bobby Hurley there out in, out in Arizona State. Um, You know, so obviously, obviously the more shots you get up, the more opportunities you do to score and give your team, you know, an opportunity to to win some games. Um, But for me, I just like this Arizona, Arizona team. They're, they're playing better. Um, than, than Arizona State as of as of late, they they do a better job I think on both both sides of the ball. They're averaging almost 19, 19 assists per game, which is good for first in the Pac twelve. Uh, so they 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 share the ball around, get a lot of people involved, gives you a lot of opportunity to you know find those scoring opportunities. I, I like Arizona's you know chances in this mm-hmm. one. You know, unfortunately for Arizona State, that's trying to you know solidify their chances right. to make the tournament. 
Yeah, I, I don't think this is this is the game that they're going to get to help their cause. Mm-hmm. I Arizona's better in every statistical category uh, in this game between these two teams. They, like you said, they won by nine points last game. Mm-hmm. Now they're playing at home, more comfortable with the rims, right, the background, right. the crowd noise. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've got everything going for them. They're playing great as late. I, I think they win. I, I think it's actually a fairly easy win for them. Yep. All right. Well, moving over to the Big 12 Conference, a Big 12 battle, number eight, Texas. 22 and 6 overall, 11 and 4 in the Big 12, going on the road to number 9 Baylor, 20 and 8 overall, 9 and 6 in the Big 12. Another 2 o'clock game over on ESPN. Uh, so a lot of 2 o'clock games are going to be flipping the channel here if you're watching, you know, trying to watch all of these games. Um, I think this is one where my attention is going to be. Yeah, I think absolutely. This is the best game on the slate, pitting number 8 against number 9. Mm-hmm. And these two teams, when you look at stats, you can't really pull them apart. They're mm-hmm. almost identical in everything. Mm-hmm. Baylor shoots a few uh, percentage points better from the three-point land. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that in this game will give them the slight edge because mm-hmm. there, there's really nothing else that separates mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make one one or two more threes than the other right. team, everything, all other things equal, that, that's a couple more points for you. And right. I, uh, I think that's what, what it's going to take. I think it's going to give them the slight edge. I think Baylor wins a cl- real close game. Here. Yeah, I mean, these teams faced off against each other uh, into January. Uh, Texas took it by the score of 76 to 71. So it was close, close game, you know, the first time these two matched up, uh, you know, and it's going to be, yeah, going to be interesting. Both teams coming in three and two in their last, you know, five games. Um, I just think Baylor, that crowd that they have in Waco playing behind that crowd, it, it, this year in college basketball, it's been even tougher to go on the road and get get a road win. I think Baylor plays exceptionally better at, at home, um, you know, compared to, you know, going on the road themselves. I think having that home crowd, that home noise, that, that's been the difference maker for them in, in some of these games, um, some of these big games that they've had on the schedule. I like Baylor to, to get it done, um, you know, pull off somewhat of an upset here um, and, and get the win. Yeah, uh, big, but, big matchup to watch in this one. Watch for Marcus Carr from Texas. He's mm-hmm. scoring 17 points a game. Another great guard from then Baylor. Can- George, he's also scoring 17 points a game. So yeah. the matchup between these two could, could could decide this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in a in a tight game, you know, I know we talked about this before. Uh, you know, Texas as a team is shooting almost 80 percent from the free throw line, which you know is in a tight game is could be the difference maker. Um, you know, in 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 this game where it could come down to you know some free throws at the at the end of the game. So that's something to you know look out for. You know, if it does get tight, you know, Texas could you know somewhat pull away from the free throw line. So. We'll see uh, what what happens, but yeah, that one's that one's going to be a big one. I, I'm definitely going to going to tune into that one. So, all right, moving into a uh, Big Ten Big Ten battle, we got number seventeen Indiana, nineteen and nine currently, ten and seven in the Big Ten, going on the road to number five Purdue, twenty four and four, thirteen and four in the Big Ten, seven thirty game over on over on Fox. Um, you know, Matt, what, what do you think about this matchup? You know what? I'm, I'm going to call an upset here. I'm, I'm taking Indiana an upset. They're scoring two more points per game this season. They shoot better from the two-point and from the three-point line. As, as long as slow down the big from Purdue and Zach Eady, I mean, just take him up just slightly out of the game, mm-hmm. get him under his averages, and I, I, I think they can win this thing. Yeah. I, I'm going with or Indiana on the upset over Purdue. Well, you, you're not too far off. Uh, these two teams faced off uh, – couple of weeks ago um february 4th and indiana took it by a score of 79 to 74 um you know and i think at this point you you somewhat you let the big man's gonna get what he gets Mm. for purdue i think it's you gotta force somebody else to to add on to that i think yeah Edie is going to get his points i mean the guy's averaging 22 points a game um almost 13 rebounds a game i mean i think he's going to he's going to do what he does and he's going to get his points um, you know, and obviously the, uh, you know, the Hoosiers got a big man of their own, you know, in Trace Jackson Davis, who's averaging over 20 points a game and, and 11 rebounds a game. Uh, so that's, you know, I don't know that they're going to match up against each other. You know, it, it may be, I think it's always guard Edie with kind of a, uh, you know, a committee, you know, somewhat, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think the key is to try to maybe possibly get him into foul trouble to get him out of the game, get Purdue out of a rhythm. And again, force somebody else to, to kind of beat you. Um, you know, Purdue comes into this one two and three in their last five games, you know, Indiana a little bit better three and two in their last five games. I think, you know, for a Purdue team, you know, there's, you know, when you're on a, when you're on a kind of a losing streak or you're kind of reeling here, there's no better place than to come back home and, and, right. and, you know, try to correct things. 
I think it, it could be another tight battle, but I think Purdue playing at home in that, you know, tough environment that they have, you know, at, at Purdue, I, I think Purdue comes out, comes out on top, but in a, in a close, close battle. So, all right. Well then talking, you know, last game of the, of the week, probably a little bit unconventional teams that we're talking about here, but, uh, two ranked opponents nonetheless. And, uh, that's number 15, St. Mary's, uh, 24 and five. 13 and one in the West Coast Conference, going against number 12 Gonzaga at 23 and five and 12 and two in the in the West Coast Conference. A 10 p.m. game over on uh, ESPN. Uh, you know the Gonzaga's got the got the home court advantage in this one. Uh, uh, I'm guessing the winner of this probably takes the conference. Yeah. So um, they and it and it's it's oddly ironic. You know these two teams faced off on February 4th. St. Mary's winning that game by a score of 78 to 70 in overtime. So tight, tight battle, you know, and went, went to overtime and both these teams super hot four and one in their last five games. Um, I mean, the Zags score a boatload of points. I mean, seven and a half a game. Right. So it's, it's going to be, you know, can St. Mary's defense, I mean, they, they don't give up a lot of points. They're, they're the best, you know, in the conference when it comes to allowing the least amount of points per game. So it's going to be, again, who gets the better of the matchup, you know, in the first game, St. Mary's did a great job of limiting, you know, Gonzaga, um, you know, scoring opportunities. Obviously they had the home court advantage. They had, you know, the, the crowd behind them, but, you know, going on the road, it's a, it's a lot, you know, a lot different situation, I, I like the Bulldogs to get revenge here in, in this game. Uh, you know, the forward Drew Temme, he, he does everything for him. Mm-hmm. He leads the league and or leads the team in points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game. So he's the do-it-all kind of guy for them. You know, and, and at, at Gonzaga, um, you know, and and Gonzaga's no slouch on defense themselves either. So I think playing at home got that revenge, you know, on their mind. Gonzaga has historically been the better team in these big games, you know, in, in their own conference. I, I trust the Zags more. I think they get it, get a win here um, and, and, you know, take take the conference. Yeah, I, I tend to agree here. Gonzaga's the number one shooting team in the country. They're shooting 52.5% from the field. Like mm-hmm. I said, scoring 87.5 points per game. You know, like we did say, St. Mary didn't just knock off Gonzaga just a couple short weeks ago, 78-70. Right. Right. But, you know, Gonzaga's also a great team playing at home. Mm-hmm. And they've got a, a veteran, experienced team coming back here. I don't see them losing to the same team twice in a season. Mm-hmm. I think Gonzaga takes this one. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's it for our show this week. Uh, we uh, appreciate you listening in, and uh, we're going to sign it off here. And, uh, yeah, let you be on your way. Uh, so we thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. If you want to hear other topics for future episodes or you just have a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We have an Instagram. Our handle is at fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, if you want to know a little bit more about the show or just, you know, check out some of the past episodes, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com. And if you want to hear, you know, our past episodes and even catch this episode, find us on all your different podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere where you can listen to podcasts, you can find our show. So we appreciate y'all listening. And as always, stay stay fired fired up. up.